Short, fine legs. Hey, welcome to Short, Fine Legs, the South African cricket podcast that has been in existence for longer than most board members <laughs> at Cricket South Africa. We have outlasted them, listeners. Thank you so much, and we con- we will promise to continue to outlast whoever comes in next. <laughs> <laughs> no. How's it going, man? Oh, bad. That's a really, really good intro. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to follow that, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been really good. Uh, I think you have to mention that um, the board resigning has to be the best news so far this week. Um, you know, wow. I mean, cricket was that close um, being suspended. We, I mean, if the minister intervened, I don't know what would have happened. So, um, yeah, everyone, I think, is delighted and we're looking forward to the, the opportunities that might lie ahead for CSA going forward. From the players' perspective, I mean, are you were you guys talking about it? Were you guys high-fiving each other in the dressing room? I mean, what's, what's been the buzz like in the Lions' change room? I think um, it, it was definitely um, a lot of guys just not sure if they were going to step down or not and and what was going to happen after that and we're i think everyone was quite happy to hear that they've resigned and in a way it's kind of made the minister um, not intervene because i don't know if um he the the repercussions i guess would have been if um he got involved so um yeah it's a a good it's a good sunday (laughs) Um, coming into a new week, which has been uh, an exciting one for all the teams. Uh, all the teams have had their season launches, seeing some of the kits out and um, getting ready for the season. So, yeah, um, cricket is really close. It's um, a couple of days away now. Mm-hmm. Are you happy with the Lions kit? Oh, um, the, the players at the Lions, it's always lucky. We get involved in terms of the designs and things like that. So um, if, I, if I say I'm not happy, that means I'm not happy with the work we've done. So from that point of view, uh, we, we've, we've been good. Um, so I like, um, I like the designs. We always try to be different. And um, yeah, you got a, we've got Reza Hendricks, who we call Mr. Lifestyle, who's always uh, providing us with the, the tight fits and making sure everything fits according to your size. It's never too big. So yeah, um, we're all happy with the fittings and how it looks, etc. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys are at your peak physical condition because you don't want any bulges there in the midriff. You should come to our fitness sessions, but there's no there's no chance anyone would uh, be out of shape at the line. So yeah, how's you? How you've been actually in the in the in the in your week in England? Well, the clocks have turned back, so winter is here. Um, I'm wearing a jersey and a hoodie indoors with the heating on. I'm, I'll live here if if I live here for the rest of my life. I'll never get used to the weather. I just don't do well in the cold. I'm a, I'm a high felt boy through and through. I need I need some sun, and it's the it's the dark man. It's the yeah. dark that gets you. I mean, it's it's four thirty now as we're recording, and and lights are on in the streets. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's desperate times here, but. Uh, Let's get on to our, our guest. So Andrew Bretzka is obviously this, the the head honcho there at SACA, the, the union that represents the professional players in South Africa. Before we get on to what you made of what he said, what do you make of him as a person? I mean, he, he seems like a, a safe pair of hands to me. Uh, I'll be, you know, I've known um, Andrew for a couple of years now in his previous role at SACA. And, um, you know, that's someone who's obviously yeah, been approachable and uh, help us deal with all the... 
um, um, MOU issues that you uh, transpired uh, previously at C- uh, at CSA uh, with SACA. So someone that um, you know you could discuss all these things that are happening is very articulate and explaining uh, what was happening. And um, it was quite a swift transition for, from his previous role to obviously being CEO. But you got to say that he's had. Uh, baptism of fire in this year, um, walking into some beamers, full tosses, all, <laughs> all at him. And um, yeah, I think he's done a fantastic job, um, especially um, the, the job that they've done in making sure that um, the players during the pandemic were, you know, they, they kept um, with them, making sure that all the players were fine. And uh, if there was any uh, assistance that they needed during the pandemic. So I, I have to give Saka credit for that, making sure that all the players, because, uh, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a rough time for everyone. And we just sometimes forget that um, players can also um, have those low moments because, I mean, you're not all of a sudden doing what you love and uh, what you're being paid to do on a on, on regular basis. So it was a difficult time and you've got to give credit to Saka for the role that they've played during this time. Hmm, absolutely. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's go straight into it. Here's our chat with Andrew Bietzka. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us to, tonight. What a busy schedule you must have. First of all, how are you doing on a personal level? Are the nerves still intact? Is all the hair still intact? Um, <laughs> have you resorted to alcoholism? I mean, you, what, are you, what is keeping you sane? I don't know. Alcohol must be close by, but it's been a shocker of a year. I mean... Not to mention COVID, but just what's happened in the last few weeks at Cricket South Africa has, yeah, it, it is very stressful. It's it's difficult. Uh, as SACA, we've got the responsibility of, of all our members, um, which we look out for. So it's tough times in cricket. But, you know, as I've been saying to people, we're better off this week, this time than we were last week. And hopefully next week, again, we're in a better position. And that's why I, how one has to move through this crisis, I believe. Let's focus on something positive. Cricket is coming back, at least. Uh, No matter what happens at board level, no matter what even happens in parliament, sport has always been a tonic for South Africans, the great distraction, as it were. But but it's real, and and, and it really does detract from, not detract, rather distract from, from a lot of the ills of society. How excited are you to just get back to the game? Domestic cricket is returning, an international schedule is scheduled. How excited are you for that? Well, from a SACA point of view, that's been a major focus of ours since we were on the return to play consultation processes with Cricket South Africa is how do we get the players back? And that's been a a tedious process where the guys had returned to play under certain um, COVID protocols, which Nana can talk about, those were challenging. And the fact that we are going to have domestic cricket starting is, you're right, it's critically important. But, you know, it's not about a distraction. It's about getting our professional cricketers playing so that the system can start working because the system of cricket requires you to play cricket. And then, of course, the financial benefits of our national team playing, well, I cannot even speak more highly on that. That's critical for the future of the game. So the fact that the schedules there, England have been approved, they're coming, you know, we've got Sri Lanka coming, then it's to Pakistan, all of that. It's great news. I do think it will take away some of the, the headlines to focus on cricket, but the fact that our players are playing, because that's what the whole system is about, is playing the game. So it has been critical, and, and we are overjoyed that it's happening. Hmm. Andrew, I mean, I I, I said uh, earlier, I 
you've you've had probably the toughest role in South African cricket. I mean, you it's been hasn't been long since you've moved in into your role as well. Um, what a time, first of all, to obviously walk into that um, into that role. I mean, you've just recently you just spoken now about uh, the importance of international cricket. I think, and not many maybe domestic cricketers are aware of the importance of the international um, international game to to our country. I mean, what's what's been the the consensus amongst uh, other international countries about um, where South Africa is in this place and time. Are you aware or does anyone maybe might feel a bit down or negative about um, what's been happening in our country? So we've had communication, especially at a FICA level, um, and it's been more a communication of concern and how can we support you? The, the international cricket community recognizes that for cricket internationally to be healthy, you want South Africa to be one of the good teams. Um, if you just think of the current structure of the game, India are immensely powerful, uh, financial power, um, and then you've got England and Australia. And if we're not careful at international level, it's quite possible for those three teams just to totally dominate and for the, the secondary second-tier nations to fall away. And South Africa is probably the leading country in those second-tier countries. So we need to be strong. We need to compete. And we have over the last number of years. So internationally, the other countries look at us and say, well, we need South Africa to be strong. So there's definitely been massive concern around what has happened in South Africa. Is this going to fundamentally weaken our game has been a concern. Um, I do know, for example, that the ICC with the ministerial in intervention, they're very reluctant to get involved in our game. They don't want to. You know, it's not like they're itching to get involved. They want South Africa to sort out their problems and to be strong again. So, so there's concern, um, but I think there's a bit of positive feeling now that we can possibly get through this as well. And um, I mean, uh, uh, we had a chat with Dan last week and, um, and we spoke to Usbu as well, a journalist, um, regarding some of the things that were happening behind the scenes um, and shed a bit of light in helping us know a little bit more in terms of um, the, the crises that were happening at CSA. I mean, you, you've spoken there where we are and um, how things are, there's a bit of light. Um, how close were we from maybe a suspension from the ICC, if you may indulge us a little bit there? Well, I think if you go back two weeks ago when the minister issued that letter where he said he's going to intervene in cricket, um, the wording of the letter was such was was quite specific in the sense of saying I'm giving you this last opportunity to to write your your issues at Cricket South Africa so to speak, um, and he gave two weeks basically. I think had the board not stood down on Sunday, the the minister would have had no alternative but to act directly intervene and disband the board and take control. It's that take control element that would bring the ICC into it. So if you remember Zimbabwe, I think it was last year, uh, the ICC mm -hmm. took over, um, and that was where their Ministry of Sport actually took over the running of cricket, and that was a clear transgression. I think where the minister has been clever here is to say, I don't want to get involved. I want to facilitate your change, but I'm giving you a deadline. So I think mm -hmm. we were pretty close to, to going over the precipice in the sense that had the board not stood down and the minister taken direct action, then I think the ICC would have been more interested in saying, hang on a sec, what is going on here? So it was close. I think it was close. And that's why I say a week on, we're better off than we were a week ago. Mm -hmm. Because a week, a week ago now, nothing had happened. We still had the old board. 
um, there was the standoff. It was actually quite tense in that sense, quite stressful. Andrew, I used the word distraction earlier, and, and you sort of put me right and said that, yes, sport is a great distraction, but let's not get distracted. Is there a worry from Saka point from Saka's point of view that when action does return on the field, that the mismanagement at, at, at board level is forgotten about? And, and you know, we, we'll get into the myriad of, of problems outside of, of the board um, in my, into my next question. But is it kind of imperative now for you guys to keep your eye on the ball? We, we have to. I mean, and that, again, is the role of Saka. We want players to play. We want Nono to be on the field and to have a line of sight to play for the Proteas and to want to play for the Proteas, etc. That's what we want players to, to, to strive for. And we as Saka need to do the hard yards and make sure that the critical issues that need to get sorted out in the next few months get sorted out and that we are not distracted by a great England series, for example. Because mm. I think what, what we can't avoid is, is that we've gone through absolute turmoil in the last 12 months. We've got to a situation where everybody recognizes certain massive changes need to happen around the structure of the game and the governance. This is our opportunity to get this right. If we, excuse the phrase, if we stuff this up now, my word, then we're going to be in a worse position halfway through next year. We've got to get this right. And I, I think that's not just for the players. It, it goes for the, the structure of, of the sponsors, of the broadcasters, which also directly impact players. But, but I think they want that reassurance that, you know what, this change is happening and it's for good. You know, we've lost so many sponsors um, over the last number of years and we've got to start attracting them back into the game and they've got to want to come back into the game. And that, that is what can make us stronger. So I think you're right, Daniel, we have to keep our eye on the ball as, as Saka to say these are issues that we need sorted. So, for example, a really important one is, is there's a lot of talk about implementing Nicholson um, recommendations, which is that there's a majority of independence on the board. So let's stop talking about it. Let's do it. Let's make sure that change mm -hmm. takes place. There's a lot of talk about finalizing issues that, that arose from the Fundunzi report. Okay, let's finalize them. Let's put them behind us, do the changes, deal with individuals if we have to, and move on. But let's not let this linger into to, um, January, February, because we've got to get past this. Mm. One thing that was gaining momentum, but well, I'd say before this crisis uh, started happening, rather before the crisis was really unfolding, because the crisis goes back a while, was the possibility of reparations along racial lines. And, and after Lungi and Gidi answered a question honestly and, and forthrightly, it, some difficult questions, some difficult conversations were starting to be had, and, and painful as they were, it, it felt like progress. And we've discussed that on the podcast. Mm. Recent news about the board has kind of detracted away from that. And I, I just wonder what your views on that as, as at SACA. Um, are you in favor of reparations? Would you like those conversations to be reignited now that we can kind of look at a board and say, well, some sort of stability has been gained? I think we've got to continue those conversations um, because otherwise you're just sweeping issues under the rug. And just like we talk about distractions on, on the other stuff, it would be the same with, with that issue. I think we have to have that discussion. I think that discussion needs to be slightly wider in, in, in a sense of if, if you look at a lot of what has been said uh, around the reparations which flowed on from, from Lungi's statement, which I agree with you, I think it was a very sensible and mature statement at the time, which is why we backed it, is when you start analysing players' grievances, a lot of it goes around to 
information, around selection, around selection protocols, around expectations that were set and not met. And I think there's a lot of work that has to be done generally. So, so for example, um, at a Protea level, Protea players and, and the next best group of players have play development plans. This is where we see you in the squad. This is where we see you in the future. This is what you need to do to improve, et cetera, et cetera. And we pushed very hard to have that included in the MOU 18, which it has been included. And, and that has given a lot of those players an understanding of, of where they fit into the structure, irrespective of their race, but where they fit into the structure of the protest. If you move that down into franchise level, it's not done. If you go further down into senior provincial, it's definitely not done. And a lot of unhappiness for players is around the manner in which they get treated around selection and promises made. And we think if you start implementing proper processes at those levels, we can then start dealing with real issues that have been raised by players around they were let down, the expectation, the, the career opportunities that were lost, because that's where players need to have certainty and understanding. So I think there's a lot of work over and above the concept of reparations. And I think one has to understand what is meant by that, because I think I don't think enough information has been given to us around how that will work. But it's, it's more than just that. It's an understanding of how a player's career plan can work, how his career path can work, how he can get mentored in the system and, and not have this tokenism that appears to have been in there where players' expectations are dashed and it's created this unhappiness. So we can't sweep it under the rug. It, it's real, and we can't allow the current events to detract from what, what actually happened post Lungi's statement. Hmm. And uh, I'm, I mean, I'm a real fan of uh, some of those words you've just started right now. And uh, I think that's one of the ways of bettering our system. Um, but I do feel, I mean, you, as someone who represents the players, I feel that the other side as well needs to be looked at, which is obviously the coaches themselves, um, the education that needs to go into that side as well. Because the reason I say that is that, I mean, we hear about the co uh, coaches' conferences that they have on a regular basis. And I'm yet to hear what exactly has come out from that and what has been implemented in the system. And what I'm trying to find out from you, I mean, is there a way maybe from Saka trying to help in that uh, manner, trying to get involved in that? Because it feels that um, some, some of the expectations which are not met, it comes from, as well, from the coaches not maybe having the right tools to deal with the issues that we have in South Africa in terms of your, your selection criterias, um, what guys from um, different backgrounds may deal, uh, may deal with before they get to training. So how can we maybe Saka in better that, uh, part, that part of the process where, where, where I feel there's, a, there's quite a, uh, an opportunity um, to, be, to, to obviously improve, to improve that part of um, the coaches as well? Yeah, look, I think you, in that statement, you, you raise a number of issues, which is quite a long discussion. I mean, for a start, I, I think one of the challenges around transformation, and specifically what you're raising is coaches, is coaches get informed, for example, there's, there's the transformation makeup of your team. So full stop. So what a coach does then, and I'm, I'm not saying every coach, I'm just saying the mindset is, okay, so I need three black African players, I need five white players, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they don't plan around the team in term, and from a squad point of view. They almost tick boxes. So mm. they're, my, they're my five, they're my three, they're my three, full stop. Mm. 
what what then happens specifically and and at, at senior provincial level and and Nana, you one of the great examples of someone who's taken the opportunity to move through the system so you understand the system is one of our big concerns at SACA, which we have now raised more vocally with CSA at the senior provincial level, it's almost like, and I've got a phrase for it, I, I call it searching for a bard. So in other mm. words, there's a desperate search for this, this black African player who can yeah. rush through the system and, and at 21 be at the top of his game. So yeah. what happens is a province will bring in four or five black African players from around the country not necessarily understanding the point you raised, the background from where they come and the challenges they face to be there. Um, the guy gets two, three opportunities batting at number three, doesn't quite make it, he gets discarded, he moves on. Mm -hmm. um, and he maybe even goes and plays in another province, but he never quite gets his opportunity because they're just searching for this the black African player who suddenly gets 100, 120, oh, he's, he's our next, next yeah. diamond to move through the system. So that process of mentoring... Wow that process of nurturing actually doesn't take place properly. And mm. that to me is a coaching issue um, and a planning issue and a career planning issue. Um, and I think that's, just to unpack sort of what you're saying, I think that's a lot of a lot where we, we want to focus. The other thing is, and I know I'm talking a lot here, but what we want to do at SACA, and I've, I've sort of put out the, the framework for it, is, is start a mentoring system where we start looking at young players getting into the system and specifically black African players, and teaming them up with possibly ex-players. Um, so you might, for example, have a, a young uh, bowler, swing bowler from, from Lange in Cape Town who's trying to move through the system as maybe a province under 17 and 19 player, and you team him up with, with um, Alan Dawson, and you say, okay, let's help this individual, because a lot of those challenges happen when that player leaves the junior system and tries to get into that senior rank and move through, and we lose a lot of players there. Um, and they don't have, as you said, you know, that support and understanding of the background, um, and that impacts upon the player's ability to perform. So I think there's a lot of work, and I, I suppose what I'm also saying is, and, and maybe you saying the same thing, Nono, is that one has to look at the entire system to see where those yeah. problems arise, and not just at reparation. Reparation to me sits at the top, where players been yeah. treated in a manner that requires some quantification of a financial benefit. Yeah. Whereas actually, there's so many elements in the system where players are being let down or just not being able to get an opportunity, and and yeah. that actually has to become a focus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just to add to that, do you feel, I mean, uh, this is the question that I've been asking for uh, a number of years now. And I'll, I mean, when I look at um, county cricket, for example, I see um, players signing a three-year deal, four-year deals. And I'm wondering in our system, when it comes to one-year or two-year deals, do you feel that has also allowed the coaches to only look short-term with players? Or do you foresee a South African future where players can can have long-term deals and secure their futures and be able to develop through the system, whereas it just feels at the moment, um, you know, it, it also allows the coaches to just sign you for a year. If you haven't given them the performances that you they want from you, they can just discard you and look, to, and look at another player. It's uh, an excellent point. Um, you know, ironically, at Proteus level, they were up till, I think, two years ago, three years ago, only a maximum of two-year contracts. And, and we were saying, that's ridiculous. If you think of Jacques Callas, you could have given Jacques Callas a five-year contract easily. Yeah. Um, 
or, or Dale Stain, a number of those guys. Uh, why aren't you giving them those long that long-term security? And if you go down a level, um, you know, if, if you think there are only 17 Proteus contracted players allowed, there's 16 currently, but 17 total, you, there's a large pool of players who are your next step in players. And if you want to secure them in what is an insecure environment, we definitely think there should be longer term contracts. And, and I'd like to think that in the next seasons, we're going to start seeing three-year contracts coming in and we're pushing for that type of, of increase. Um, because yes, a one-year contract allows for, said with respect to anyone who, who does, the, allows for lazy contracting. Um, you don't really need to invest in the guy because mm. he, has, he hasn't really made it that, that well, but he's going anyway, so that's it. I don't need to do anything more and I look elsewhere. And yeah. I, that, that doesn't create certainty for the players. And I think that's why you see a lot of players prefer to play overseas, even at lower levels, because they, they have longer-term relationships. So that's a very good point. And I think we have to get to that point where there are longer-term contracts. Andrew, just to wrap up um, quickly, or not so quickly, you take your time. Um, where does Saka stand now? It's been a it's, it's been a winter of discontent for South African cricket. Um, you know the, the the battles between the board and yourself is, has been well documented. But now with this developments at board level, are you do you feel like like your organisation is in a stronger position than it was a few months back? Where would you say you are in terms of the cricket uh, landscape in South Africa? I think what we've tried to do this year. Daniel, that's actually a good question, a good, a good question to assess, is we've tried to get closer to the players because we've, mm. we've, when you are fighting, which is not something you want to be doing all the time, and last year we fought a lot, there's an element of a distance that you get between the players because your energy, your focus is, is actually yeah. on, on your battles. And so we consciously, mm. in February, March, before shutdown, we, we actually had strategic sessions where we were sitting down as a SACA team and saying, okay, we need to engage with our players more so that we're starting to deal with player issues and, and make them feel part of what the issues are. So we've consciously tried to do that through COVID. And I think I think we've been good like that. Our player engagement managers, Bridget and, and Stephen, have yeah. had constant engagement with players, which I think has been good. Um, we've also, we don't want to fight for the sake of fighting. So you will, you will note we haven't gone out with a press release this week to say, great mm -hmm. news, the board stood down. Because it's not... That's not who we are. And we're not going to go and say, oh, where we, we asked for it and it's happened because that's not important to us. We, our primary concern is the, the best interests of the players. And we believe that we've done a lot of good work this year to protect the best interests of the players. But at the same time, there's a lot more work we have to do protect the best, to protect the best interests of the players. And I think Nono's question is excellent when he starts talking about contract security of longer there because that type of work is when we're doing our really important good work, which isn't in the papers. It's about, you know, how do we work for the best interests of the players? So if you say how this year has gone, I'm, it has been very stressful. It's been difficult as a first year as a CEO. I'd like to think we are seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm, I won't lie to you. I'm immensely proud of some of the work we've done. You know, we hit 100 bursaries under COVID, which is the first time in that period period of time that we've got to 100. So 100 players have benefited from SACA bursaries. You know, we've had full-time psychologists on standby for some players who've taken a real strain during COVID. Um, and that's actually what I'm proud of because that's what we need to do to help players. 
And also the, the work we did with CSA and it was with CSA and I compliment on, on it, Doc Shea, Doc Shea managed great work and Graham Smith on getting players back. That was a major plus. So I'd like to say, when I get to the end of December, were we able to focus back on, on looking after players? Because that's really what we want to do and not really have to be in these battles with CSA, which, which are energy sapping um, and can be expensive. Uh, and, and that's also CSA's problem. It's, it's distracted them from focusing on the game. And, and that's where I think the game has, has suffered under the, in the last two years. Well, Andrew, I think you've summed it up pretty well. Hopefully, as the action returns to the field, so can all our focus, not just journalists, yeah. obviously players like non but yourself as well at Saka, where we, I mean, we all, we're all involved in the three different ways that we are involved in cricket because we love the game and, and we want to see it thrive and, and we know how important it is to the people of South Africa. So, Andrew, from us at Short Fine Legs, thank you so much for your time. Continue the good work and uh, hope to continue talking about matters on the field. That will be great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. Well, that's our show. Thanks, of course, to Andrew for joining us and providing some insight from within the halls of Saka. Thank you, Nons. I wish you well for the week ahead. And thank you, of course, to PRC Podcasts for hosting the show. If you guys have got any questions or, or want to engage with us on Twitter, we can. you can find us at short underscore fine underscore legs. Norms, no doubt they got some questions for you, seeing as you were really good today. I mean, it's not often that our guests keep saying, you know, that's a good question. But I think Andrew said a few times to you. <laughs> it shows that we're doing something right. Always, always like it when we get a, when we get a compliment on, on, on the line of questioning. So, Norms, where can they find you to, to shower more praise upon you? Uh, you catch me on Twitter. It's Norms, um, N-O-N-Z, uh, one zero. Um, yeah, we'll try to engage uh, to as many people as we can um, about our show and anything else uh, related to the game. You got it. We'll catch you next week, guys. Thanks a lot. Shout for OBW. Oh, he's got him. That's well run, or is it? Oh, a field and that's out. That's got to be out. That's beautifully done. What a great event. That is sensational. Now, this will be interesting. Short, fine legs.